This is our podcast version of Benedettiville's Small Town Adventures Radio Hour, episode number three, Outer Space. And we have a jam-packed show for you today, and so we're going to jump right in. Jump right in. After a message from our sponsor. Dad, please, can we go? I don't know, kids. You just got out of school, and it's a Thursday, so maybe we can just go home and make some snacks, okay? Can we go right now, pretty please? It's our favorite place. Well, if it means that much to you... It does! Okay, then I guess I'll take you guys to the... Grocery store! Where we can buy apples, or paper towels, or soap. Or bread. Where we can watch Dad forget his wallet. Where we can where we can watch Mom forget the grocery bag. The, the grocery, grocery store. All right. Okay, I'm almost ready. I just gotta find. Yes, the grocery store. It's not just an errand you need to run. It's your kid's favorite place. So next time you pick them up from school or a play date or really anywhere. Go ahead and treat them with a trip to the grocery store. Nope, nope. Here they are. Okay, let's go. Now it's time for the news, and usually we bring you our own super incredibly hyper local news. But today we have a special. Our good friends Paul, Delara, and Roland, way up in Banff, Canada, sent us their super hyper local news, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna send it off to them. Roland, Paul, Delara, take it away. Now I have my pop. Thanks, Roland, and here's the great white news. A cougar was spotted during a routine 3 a.m. traffic stop in downtown Banff. The officer gave chase in his patrol car as the cougar made her way towards Cow's ice cream. Then she disappeared and hasn't been seen since, leading residents to believe she saw the prices of the ice cream. Elk on the train tracks near Banff have prompted debate in the two to five year old demographic. What is cooler, elk or trains? Trains seem to still be winning the day. In Canmore, a car thief was caught after stealing more than two dozen vehicles. The cars were left open and running every time. The moral? Don't steal, kids. And don't leave your open car running after 20 others have been stolen. In sports, Henry from Calgary skates alone at 22 months, inspiring great jealousy in every hockey stick-grasping toddler and in their parents as well. The Tuesday night beginning curling league set a new record for strategic plans horribly executed as no rocks were thrown anywhere near the scoring area despite fantastic plans discussed and debated at great length. In weather, get out your sunscreen. Unseasonably warm days ahead with highs of 0 degrees Celsius and lows of minus 20. Snow on Thursday. The balmy days mean avalanche danger, so ski inbound, kids. Now back to you in the studio. Thanks, guys. 
For our next report, we went to the far reaches of the galaxy to bring you news from outer space. For the week of February 18th, here's the news. First, I'd like to thank our intergalactic language translator, Solea Luna Langschweiger, for being here with us to translate the alien language. You're welcome. I am very happy to be here. To start off, we'd like to recognize that the intergalactic Winter Olympics are underway, with the inhabitants of the icy moon Enceladus quickly taking the lead by earning gold in alien ice dancing. Our reporters caught up with ice dancer Umzule Zesher and found out what makes her training so very special. What she means is, or what she's saying is, is what I should say, is that the hamburgers on her planet are very tasty. Mercurian solar energy tycoon Raguldier Guldenmunkenish is building a new ski resort and spa on Pluto. Real estate prices on this celestial mass plummeted when Pluto lost its planet status, but Guldenmunkenish is hoping to change all of that. What he says is the hotel is going to have a lot of delicious food. Martian food enthusiast Lala Yum Yum brings us this report from her explorations of intergalactic fine dining. What those aliens over the right are saying is, well, they're not really saying anything. They're just making weird food noises. Because they're eating hamburgers on a weird planet somewhere else in the galaxy. If you are looking to travel this week, the 10-day weather forecast predicts that it will be foggy again on Venus, dry and hot on Mars, and Neptune will be cold Monday and Tuesday, colder still Wednesday and Thursday with more cold weather on Friday. Looking back at Earth, it's been a blustery day here in Petaluma, California, and that is all the news in the universe. For you I'd build an interstellar interstate for the journey of our life. So come with me on this comet ride We'll be sipping down Shooting stars on ice Gliding through the galaxy Maybe we'll see there's no such thing as time Or maybe we will find that we're both Stars who taught each other how to shine Laugh as we go Explore the unknown forevers Too sure when the universe is ours Demonstrate my love We can fly by light Or catch the constellation Train straight to Andromeda On our way Well we can wave To the solar flares As they are drifting up Cosmos, the only signpost reads infinity or buzz. Laugh as we.
them interstellar, interstate Only wish I could But truth be told, the love we hold Will take us farther than that road ever would To every place that we've been dreaming of and Though the rings that we're both wearing May not hold a flame to Saturn's there That is the Kentucky. That's the Kentucky Street Pioneers with their song "Interstellar Interstate." And full disclosure, I have two brothers in that band. Good job, Tony. Good job, Ian. That was beautiful. And up next, we have an interview for an you. Interview, yeah, with a imagination creativity champion, as is our usual here on Benedettivo. And this particular creativity champion is a special effects artist. You've definitely seen the movies that she's worked on. She's worked on movies such as Jenny. Star Wars. Pirates of the Caribbean. Harry Potter. Transformers. World of Warcraft. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, So many more. So many more. Think of a big blockbuster. She's worked on it. And she recently was awarded... An Academy Award for Technological Achievement in Film. We sent puppet correspondent Rocco Blastorius into the human realms to visit with Paige Warner and find out just how awesome she is. Rocco, take it away. Oh, thanks, bud. Hey, uh, I'm chilling here in beautiful Sonoma, California, and uh, I'm hanging out with Paige. What's going on, Paige? Not much, Rocco. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, I've got to say... You are legendary in the puppet lands. Aw, thank yeah. you. We are huge fans of your work. Uh, ever since uh, you and your buddy started working at that puppet shop in Sonoma, you know what I mean? I do, yeah. So, um, what's it like? Uh, what's it like having friends and like being on the puppet scene? You know what I mean? Hmm. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Well, like. I mean, you uh, should know you're a puppet, so... Yeah, but, yeah. like, okay, so check this out. Check this out. Let me explain what I mean here. Uh, lots of people don't pay attention to puppets. Just sad truth. Also, I'm a bass-playing puppet, and no one pays attention to bass players either, so it's like, I got double whammy, you know what I mean? Um, but, like, you and your friends, when you're in Sonoma, like, right off the bat, checking out puppets. Totally. Yeah. Always, yes. Well, I just wanted to let you know there's a lot of love from the puppets for you and Josh and Colin because, like, we really respect what you guys are doing. Aw, thanks. For all puppet kind. So, uh, so I've seen... Power to the puppets. Yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. Oh, you totally get it. That's what I'm saying. All right, rad. Okay, so, uh, um, I've seen every movie that you've worked on. Oh, really? Several times. Excellent. Some of them, Paige, honestly... Are really bad movies. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it's like not your fault, you know? Like, not at all. The effects are amazing, but I'm totally getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. So, Paige, could you tell all the good people checking in to Benedettiville what it is that you do? I make special effects for big blockbuster movies. Oh, yeah. So awesome. Okay, so explosions and stuff. Do you do that? Sometimes. Uh, dragons and stuff. Do you do that? Once or twice. Um, spaceships. N- many spaceships. Oh, those are my favorites, by the way. Really? Yeah. I think they're my favorite, too. Okay, well, um, can you tell me what your favorite thing that you've ever done for special effects is? Ooh. Um, 
let's see. I think one of the my favorite things was actually not a spaceship, but it was a um, it was a a giant set for Star Wars that or sorry, a giant digital set for Star Wars that wow. was very complicated and uh, and very cool looking. So when you say a digital set for Star Wars that was giant and complicated, uh. What is that? Uh, well, first, yeah. first we had model makers, not unlike puppet makers. Whoa! Whoa! You're talking my language, bro. Uh, build a giant sinkhole model. Uh, it was ten feet deep by about six feet wide, uh, and it was so big they had to put it on its side, so it wasn't much of a sinkhole, but more of a cave. It's like yeah, it's like a sideways sinkhole. Well Craziness, described, yes. Paige. Totally a cave, <laughs> but. But then they filmed it like it was a deep sinkhole with a with a and they took many many photos of it and then I took all of that and assembled it all into a digital model recreation so we could film it from lots and lots of different angles all from inside the sinkhole where we couldn't actually fit physical cameras to film from. So you took something and you that you built in imaginary space, you built an entire world. Paige, do you ever wish that after you build these imaginary, digital, amazing worlds or spaceships or creatures that uh, that you could live in them? That would be amazing. Yeah. I wish you could do that. That would be pretty fun. I think that's my favorite thing about watching your work in movies. It's like, wow, I want to live there. I mean, not so much the sinkhole. That place was kind of gnarly. And I was not so into like living there. But it was very exciting to exist in that space. You exactly. know what I mean? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, like, uh, if you could live or have one of the things that you have created out of your technological wizardry, what would it be? Hmm. Hmm. There's what? so many things to choose from, I think. I'm yeah. having to think about what, uh, what different places... I tro don't think I would want to live in the sinkhole either. That would be a dark place. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, people, apparently, from what I remember from the movie, are always, like, exploding things and falling <laughs> down them, you know? Yeah, not such a great thing. It's so. like, let's stay away from that, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, something that's... Uh, well, I don't know if I'd want to live on a spaceship either, but I definitely want to ride on one. That would be a lot of fun. <gasps> Take me with you. Okay, fine. Next time you can come with me. Deal. Uh, we uh, in the Puppet Lands cheered very loudly when uh, you recently won a very prestigious, prest, a very nice award. You want to talk about that? Um, sure. Yeah. So, like, yeah. tell me about the award that you won and um, tell me about the parades that people threw for you <laughs> after you got your award. Well, I won a Scientific and Technical Achievement Academy Award for the facial capture technology that we developed at Industrial Light and Magic. Facial capture technology! Academy Award winning! Oh, Paige, it was like maybe the greatest day of my life. I can't believe I'm here. Um, so, uh, capturing faces. Yeah, that's right. We, we would, we, well, with our technology, we film actors portraying different parts um, on set, and we film their faces up close, and then track all the motion of their facial expressions, and transfer that onto really cool-looking characters um, for for special effects in movies. Whoa. Uh, one of the big ones we did that where we did a lot of this work was in a movie called Warcraft. Yeah, um, see that. <laughs> um, awesome, uh, but uh, yeah, and all of the the orcs and all of the main characters that um, are. Uh, portrayed in the film or uh, their faces were animated by the te technology that we uh, we used uh, Not only used but uh, created I believe uh, that's true. Yes yeah. uh, don't, sell, first. Right, don't sell yourself <laughs> short there Paige. I mean you are making the magic like literally some people might be using the magic to make magic But you literally making the magic pretty rad. Thank you. Yeah um, so, uh, and then after you won this phenomenal award for creating things beyond the imagination of most mortals, what kind of parades, like, did you get? Um. You know, like, how, how big were the parties? That, you know, the, the, 
award ceremony for it was was a big deal and that was a lot of fun yeah yeah but yeah. like you you must not even be able to like go down the street right i mean you're Paige, you're huge puppet lands go crazy i have to be careful for, when i'm in puppet land for sure yeah yeah right you get yeah. mobbed i bet uh, it's it's happened once or twice. Yeah, my family yeah. is going to be so jealous right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah. Uh, I'm just about done with my questions, Paige. Uh, you've been a very good sport. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Now, this has nothing to do with special effects. Now, okay. we're moving beyond the realm of your world where you are uh, so so renowned. We're going to a sideline, a little bit of. Uh, bio research that I did unearthed a very special fact, Paige. Oh, yeah? But you might not know that I'm the greatest bass player in all of Puppet <gasps> Really? I am, yeah. So, imagine my surprise and joy to find that you yourself are quite the shredder on the drums. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you're like up there with the likes of uh, we have, um, I don't know if, how many puppet drummers are you familiar with? Well, I'm a huge fan of one puppet drummer that I think is absolutely amazing. Do tell. Have you heard of Animal? Oh, oh, he, he's like, he is the Zeus in the pantheon of puppet drummers. I'm so glad you mentioned him because I... the way you attack the skins, Paige, totally, totally influenced by Animal. Am I right? Uh, you're absolutely right. He is my number one influence. Oh, okay. Well, I, uh. I don't, I don't mean to be pushy, you know, but you would fulfill a lifetime dream if I, Rocco Blastorius, could maybe, could maybe, could maybe jam with you. Let's make it happen. Can we jam? Sure. Oh, okay, uh, uh, Gio and Jen, I know this wasn't supposed to be part of the interview, but I'm totally jamming with Paige Warner, and uh, you're going to have to just cut something else short, all right? Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, okay, we got to go uh, set up some stuff. Uh, talk to you in a little bit. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, Paige, thanks for the interview. You're welcome. And thanks in advance for the jam. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Okay, <laughs> let's turn this off. All right, Paige. think I got this thing cranked up here. Let it rip. Oh. I'm totally jamming with Paige Warner right now. to edit a little bit for content here because uh well let's see i went in for this interview i think it was a uh monday afternoon and uh like we started to jam you know and like what can happen when you are jamming or otherwise fulfilling some of the greatest dreams of your life uh you can lose track of time you know what i mean so um when we finally took like a water break, uh, I think it was Thursday. Yeah, uh, like maybe early morning Thursday. And I was like, whoa, what happened to Tuesday and Wednesday? But we were just jamming, you know? And uh, so I had to like cut out a little bit. So we, we kept some good parts in here. And um, I think you get a real good sense of the uh, raw majestic power. That is the drumming of Paige Warner. Um, well, I thought I got a few tasty licks in there too. You know, huh, par for the Rocco Blastorius course, I think. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, Gio and Jed, sorry I uh, went MIA there for a few days, but uh, when you're jamming with your drum heroin, you, uh, you just can't be bothered, you know? So anyway, um, we'll bring it back to the newsroom in a little bit here. Uh, and uh, hey, thanks for that interview assignment, Gio and Jed, because uh, I've been wanting to uh, rock out with Paige for like oh, my whole life. Everybody in Puppet Land is going to be, like, so jealous. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Rocco Blastorius, out for now. Take care out there, everybody. Okay, if you could travel anywhere in our galaxy... Where would you go, and what would you do when you got there? I would float, and then I would go to the astronaut. I would bring balloons with me and have a party in outer space. <laughs> I would go to the moon and the sun and, and see the stars. I would go to the moon, and I would jump around. I would probably go like um, around the moon and then back and maybe even land on the moon and check out the craters. I will go to Mars and see if there is any aliens or persons on the planet. Um, I go to the moon and I'm going to find some rocks on the moon and I'm going to travel back to Earth. Do you have special plans for the rocks, or would you just keep them? I keep them for life. I will go to Jupiter because um, I like it when it's like the little things goes around, and it's like really pretty. If I live there, I will um, just be um, spinning and getting dizzy. I would travel to the moon to play with Ellie. that makes me feel like it's story time. Oh, hey, guess what? It's story time. <clears throat> Henry was tired of always moving. It seemed like just when the other kids at school stopped teasing him, just when he'd started to make friends, just as he'd started to learn the language, just as he was settling into whatever new place his parents had dragged him off to, they were moving again. Why now? Why again? We just got here. Can't we at least wait until the school year's over? Henry asked his mother. He was in his parents' room watching her pack. She was moving with a determination and a speed that was truly impressive. I'm sorry, Henry. You know your father and I are both sorry. She didn't even look up. She was packing her bag in a whirlwind of clothes and shoes and anything else she could grab. We have strange jobs and we can't always control where we have to go. Or when we have to go. I know, Henry finished the very familiar speech for her. He had heard it plenty of times before. I know, I know, but I hate it. Henry's mother paused her whirlwind of packing fury and put the clothes that she was holding down on the bed. She turned and looked Henry right in the eyes. So do I, Henry, she said. 
Henry thought that maybe he saw more wrinkles on her face, more lines of worry than usual. She had never said that before. Now, she continued, picking the clothes right back up with redoubled speed and energy, go and pack your suitcase, quickly. We are leaving as soon as possible. Henry did not like the energy around this move. Everything was a bit too hurried, too fast. He walked a few paces down the hallway, and then he turned around and poked his head back in his parents' room. Where's Dad? he asked. His mom didn't look up. He'll uh, be back in a bit. Just had a few things to finish up at work, she said. Was her voice extra quivery? Was she trying to sound cheerful? Henry was getting a little bit uneasy. He went to his room and started the familiar process of packing. Everything he owned fit into one suitcase, half of it for clothes, half of it for his very few possessions. Everything had its place. It had all been worked out over countless prior moves. It didn't take long for the room to be reduced to bare walls, a few empty shelves, and a small mattress. He sighed. Henry, we're leaving now! Come on! It was his mom's voice from the entryway. She was already outside. But what about Dad? He asked, closing the suitcase. Uh, he got delayed. He'll just have to meet us at the launch pad, she said, already moving down the street. Come on, Henry. Her tone was brisk and short. She was definitely worried. Henry activated the propulsion system on his hover suitcase and jogged to keep pace with his mother's long-legged quick stride down the street. Something wasn't right. They had moved before. They had even moved before at the very last minute, rushed, somewhat panicked frenzy, just like today, but it was different. It wasn't quite right. They headed down side streets and alleys. Always quickly, they turned a corner between a row of shops and a restaurant's delivery alleyway. His mom stopped suddenly. Henry slammed into her and fell back. He was about to complain loudly and grumpily when his mom's face appeared right in front of his. She stared into his eyes and held a trembling finger to her lips. She just barely whispered, Don't make a sound. And then they were crouching behind some trash bins. Through a gap in the bins, the boy could see, just a few blocks away, their very plain, light blue rocket on its pad. They were very close. And then, large figures walked across his line of sight. Large, menacing figures. He counted four of them. They wore strange clothes, what looked like some kind of heavy soldiering armor, and uh, carried large, pokey, mean-looking weapons. Their heads, hidden behind large helmets and dark visors, looked this way and that as the four figures stalked across the road. They walked with a jerking, lurching movement that made the boy very uncomfortable. They passed by. The boy watched the place where they had left his sight with wonder and fear. What were they? What were they looking for? Where were they headed? His mother grabbed his arm and began sprinting across to the rocket. Come on, Henry, keep up, she called as she dragged him and his hovering suitcase at breakneck speed. She held her wristwatch up to her mouth and yelled into it, Fire it up, honey, we're almost there and we don't have any time to waste. Henry yelled, What's going on? at the top of his lungs, but his voice was drowned out in the roar of engines as the little blue rocket flared to life. The side hatch opened and his father stood in the entryway. He was wearing very dirty and ripped up clothes. He looked banged and bruised, but still had a big grin on his face. The ramp extended towards Henry and his mother. Come on, bucko, his dad called, holding out his hand. Blastoff is in 20 seconds. The controls are set, all hands on deck. Henry felt his dad grab him and haul him quickly into the rocket. His mom followed. And then Henry heard a tremendous blam and felt a wave of heat wash over him. The force of it knocked, knocked him into his mother. She stumbled down to one knee. They found us and they brought blasters this time, Henry's dad hooted from the doorway. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodbye, his father sang merrily, waving and smiling as he dodged around the entryway and slammed the side hatch close. I leave, I heave a sigh and say goodbye, he sang. They could feel more blaster bolts slamming into the side of the rocket. Goodbye. Henry looked up at his mom with complete confusion and not a little bit of concern in his young eyes. Don't worry, Henry, they won't get through Little Blue Shield, she said. Now, quick, we've only got ten seconds to buckle in before blastoff. They rushed to the control room, leapt into their large, padded flight seats, the buckles snapped into place, helmets lowered, and then... The massive kick and jolt as Little Blue's main thrusters ignited and the rocket hurtled up into the skies. It was only about an hour later, after they had cleared the planet's atmosphere and Little Blue was deep into its hyperdrive cruise, that the helmets came off and the seatbelts released. Phew whistled Henry's mom. Hey, we have cut it close before, but that was too close, even for me. Really? Worse than that time in Andromeda? Henry's dad asked. Worse, replied his mom. Worse than Haxel's space station? Hmm. No, you're right. Not worse than Haxel's. There, see? Nothing to worry about. Henry shook his head to try and clear his thoughts. What were his parents talking about? Why had people fired blasters at them? Who were those searching figures? Where were they going? What, he thought, finally, in all of the galaxies, was going on? 
What in all the galaxies is going on? He asked, interrupting his parents. His parents stopped their chatting. They looked at him. They looked at each other. His mother sighed. Uh, Henry, um, you know that show that you like so well? What, Susie Spirit Intergalactic Super Spy? Henry asked. Yeah, that's the one. His mom paused. In a way, that's what your father and I do. Basically, we're spies, his mom said. Spies of a sort, his dad added. Jacob, don't confuse him, his mom said, frustrated. Well, come on, Meg, we're not spies exactly. We're more heroic defenders of intergalactic freedom, stopping at nothing to liberate the forces of good from the tyrannical thrall. Jacob, well, we are. Henry stared at his mother and father. Things that he had set in the back of his mind were flooding forward now, strange, out-of-the-ordinary things. His parents' strange work schedule, their constant moving, the fact that they changed names on every planet, the rigorous and difficult training that he had to do every morning and evening ever since he could remember. Lots of things were starting to come into focus. Your spies? he asked. Yes, Henry, I, that's the best way I can describe it, his mom said. Heroic defenders of intergalactic freedom, his father added quickly, under his breath. Well, what about me? asked Henry. What does that make me? Well, you've been learning and training for ten years now. That's more training than either your mom or I had before we started, his dad said, smiling. True, his mom said. Henry, you're a spy too. Welcome to the team. Officially. Heroic defender of intergalactic freedom, his dad, his dad mouthed, not speaking over his mom's shoulder. Hyperspace flowed by outside the view screens. Henry's mom and dad shuffled around the control room, hitting buttons, levers, dials, switches. Henry sat back, his thoughts still a whirl from the morning's narrow escape. Henry stared out into infinite space. I'm a spy, he thought. I'm a heroic defender of intergalactic freedom. Henry could get used to that. The end. For now. I think we'll catch up with some of Henry's adventures in the future. But for now, it's time to move on to the next thing. It's always when you least expect it. Excuse me from this lovely meal, family, but I think old dad needs to use the potty. It's something you never planned for. Will you be back right away, or will you be taking a book with you? Oh, I'll be needing a book. A long one. Ah, here's an encyclopedia. Don't wait for me, gang. A tragedy waiting just a room away. Okay, wow. All right, wait. No! No! That's right. An empty roll of toilet paper. Toilet paper emergency! Toilet paper emergency! Never fear! Toilet paper emergency person is here! Always appearing a discreet distance away, giving you your privacy, but always bringing toilet paper to where it's needed most. Whoa, toilet paper emergency person. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice from a discreet distance away. Thanks for giving me my privacy. Let me get you some toilet paper and I'll be on my way. Wow, rolls of toilet paper have just magically appeared. That was amazing. Thanks, toilet paper emergency person. You're welcome. Remember, avoid toilet paper emergencies and always take a peep before you take a seat. I think your catchphrase needs a little work. Yeah, I'm still working on that one. Well, I must be off. I hear a call from afar. Someone else is having a toilet paper emergency. Thanks, toilet paper emergency person. Hey, you're back. What took you so long? Oh, nothing. I was just mesmerized by all that great, fresh toilet paper we have up there. Now, please pass me some of that delicious salad. Did you wash your hands? I washed my hands. I always wash my hands. Wash your hands, kids, after you go to the bathroom. Or use a nice hand sanitizer. Sure. Yeah. Just get them clean. 
especially if you're coming back to the table. But that's neither here nor there because we need to introduce our next segment. Science. Science. In our next segment, we'd like to pass it off to our niece and nephews, our science correspondents. We've asked them questions about the far-off reaches of space, and I think you'll all be very, very intrigued at what they've discovered. Let's hear it. Science! So I'm here with Dante and Valentino and Marina. Nico's here, but he's across he's across the room eating a carrot. So we might we might hear from him later. Alright. So my first question can people get into outer space? Yes. Yes, they can. How? Uh the way we do it today is we use rocket ships. Yes. But they want to make a space elevator out of carbon. T- Tubes, I think. Carbon nanotubes. Who is they? Because it sounds like uh, you're talking about Willy Wonka right now when you're talking about elevators going into space. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Who is they? Who's making an elevator to space? Do you know? Well, so scientists have always thought about this, and uh, it was uh, there was a book written on a space elevator uh, a long time ago, in like the early 1900s, and it was an extremely popular science fiction novel. But no one thought it was actually possible until well, rather recently. And let's give credit to the people who thought that that might not be possible. Because it sounds, to me, even as somebody who would be wanting to write uh, ridiculous stories, fairly impossible. That's what I said when I heard about it. Okay. Wait, is it possible? Yes. Supposedly. Maybe. We don't know yet. I think so. Valentine's going with probably... Okay, so how is the space elevator going to work? Because all I can imagine... <laughs> Is you walk into an elevator and it's like floors one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, space. You're like, oh, let's do that one. Mm-hmm. How, how have they proposed how it would work? Supposedly, what they would do to make a space elevator is you fly this giant satellite into Earth orbit. Okay. And then it drops this elevator cable down to Earth. Yes. So then on the bottom on Earth, they'd take it and they'd secure it to the ground. Yeah. And then... They secure it to uh, an ocean float. Yeah, you can float it on the ocean. It's because that way it's flexible. It can move. Right. Then you put your vehicle or whatever you're using to move people up and down. Yeah. The on the cable. On the cable. And th- what they would do is they beam solar energy up to power the elevator from the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then it would fly up the cable and take you into space. I. Love that idea. That idea is way more far-fetched than anything that I came up with in our story for this week. <laughs> that is crazy. Mm-hmm. Man, I want to know what's going on. I, also, I would want a ticket for being one of the people to go up in the elevator. People can get into space currently with rockets. Yeah. We're working on space elevator technology. Yes. Mm-hmm. Once you get into space... Can people live in space? Can people live in outer space and make little houses and... Uh, well, the That's closest to yeah. living in space is the... Uh, International yeah, Space, space Station. Station. Mm-hmm. The International Space Station? Yeah. Yes. Um, the International Space Station... What's the International Space Station? It's basically a house in space where you can conduct experiments... To see how different things behave in space. Yeah. Um, Can you give me an example of what would behave differently in space? Well, people do tests on plants, like growing zucchinis in the space station. Do zucchini grow in space? I'm fairly certain you can grow zucchinis in space. Yes. All right. What, what if that was the only thing that grew in space? <laughs> only zucchinis. <laughs> like people, people like colonize other planets. It's just like, only zucchini. No more zucchini. So, just snozcumbers. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> exactly. Snozcumbers. Snozcumbers. <laughs> no one really lives in space for more than a few months at a time or a year or two. Yeah. Because the fact oh, that there's no gravity yeah, in space. You're... Muscles would get really limp. Yeah. It causes so um, astronauts 
that live there have to exercise two hours every day. You have to exercise two hours every day? Yeah. In zero gravity? Yeah. Yeah. So can they even tell they're exercising? Because they're like, I'm the strongest push-up champion in the world. Well, I think they have special harnesses that keep them attached to the, to the ground and they can run on treadmills or something. That makes sense. They kind of think of everything. Every time I think I've stumped an old NASA, it's like they already thought of that. Aliens. Have we found any aliens yet? No. We have not found any aliens. Have any aliens found us? No, maybe. Well, have any aliens already found us and have been secretly monitoring us for years and years? Maybe. We don't really know. Yeah. There's plenty of planets besides our solar system that have things that could sustain a life. Oh my form. goodness. How do we get there? Well, you gotta make better spaceships. Get on it, you guys. Come on. <laughs> Quit lollygagging. What have you been doing all morning? Because you should have been working on making better spaceships. So there. They do have rockets that can reach Mars at this point, except once again, they cost billions and billions of dollars and they're gigantic. Right. So we can't send very many people up. And it might not even have enough resources for them to survive. Yeah. Right. If you haven't looked at it enough. They might have to grow potatoes out of their feces. <laughs> Is that possible? <laughs> Uh, yes, that is possible. Is that what they do in The Martian? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> what a clever guy. That's disgusting, too. So then I'll just say thank you guys so much for being our science correspondents and for finding out all this amazing information. Dante, thank you. Thank you. Valentino, thank you. You're welcome. Marina, thank you very much. Thank you. Science, science with Marina and Wait, hey, what do you want? I'm, I'm busy in here. Recording the commercial, Dave, and action. Oh, right, the commercial. Hey, hey, hey there, you. I've got space helmets. Dave's space helmets. I've got them all over. I have a house that is almost literally full of space helmets. Used ones. And most of them, to be honest, they're broken. But, but if you want to go to space... And you can't afford some slick, fancy, new-fangled, not-broken helmet from my sleazy cousin Dino over at his space helmet shop. Well, then shoot. I guess you can have one of mine. No, or buy it. You should buy it. Unless it's really broken. Then I, I guess I'd just give it to you. But if it's really just kind of scratched up or just rusty, maybe just cracked, then... Hey, you should pay for those, maybe. My whole downstairs bathroom right now is filled up with official Rugon military surplus helmets. So, if your head is shaped kind of like a donkey, but with big tusks, I have some really nice helmets for you to choose from. <sighs> Dave, still recording. And we're live. Let's go. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, still... Still going, huh? Okay, well, there you go. I have lots of space helmets here. Man, we're not too far out of the way here on Mimas. We're the smallest bunch of matter in the known universe that can hold itself together with its own gravity here on Mimas. You know, a little moon around Saturn. And I know, I know Dino's shop is on Titan. That's the biggest moon of Saturn, and they've got all the amusement parks and the space hotels. And they have the galaxy's only trans-universal zoo there. But hey, here on Mimas, we've got a real big crater. Lots of other little craters. And it's not crowded at all. Okay. I, and I've got a lot of used space helmets. So come on down and get one. Say the name of your store. I'm Dave. Not your name, man. The name of the store. Your store! Oh, right. Right. Come to Dave's slightly used space helmets. I'm Dave, and I have lots of helmets that are slightly used. The location! Get the location! Oh, yeah, we're way out here. Totally middle of nowhere. Mimas. Smallest moon is Saturn. Oh, wow. Are we done? Yeah. 
Well, folks, that music means that you have just enjoyed another hour of Benedettiville Small Town Adventures Radio Hour. We come to you live on the radio Sundays 3 to 4 if you can catch us on kpca.fm. Otherwise, we're here on our podcast. And feel free to review us on iTunes. Recommend us to your friends. We love doing this. We'd like to do it forever. We want to share it around. Benedettiville is Geo, Jen, Stella, and Emmeline Benedetti. All stories and silliness in this episode were co-created by Geo, Jen, Stella, and Emmeline, and Paul, Delara, and Roland. That's true. All the music that you heard was written by Benedettiville and the Kentucky Street Pioneers. Special thanks go to guests and contributing voices. Big thanks to Rob, Jared, and John down at PCA. Thanks to the Academy Award-winning drum shredder, Paige Warner. Our science correspondents, Dante, Marina, Val, and Nico. And we also would like to thank McKinley First Graders, Mrs. Parno and Mrs. Hill's class, our friends Christy, David, Marielle, Dante, Stella, Leah, and Admaya. We would like to thank our sponsors, Grocery Store and Dave's Slightly Used Space Helmets. If you guys have any ideas or stories, anything you want to share with us, do it at mail at benedettiville.com. You can find us on whatever social media you prefer or at our website, benedettiville.com. It's been a pleasure, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Ciao.